Welcome to Panic Mode, the podcast for gamers and game designers with your hosts, Aiden and Shelby. This is part two out of two in our series on mental health, which coincides with World Mental Health Day, which was on October 10th. And we're continuing from last episode where we discussed mental health and games from a player perspective. This week, we're going to be talking about well-being, mental and physical from the game development perspective. And I just want to put a quick asterisk on all of this insofar as Having mental health problems related to your work is not something that's particular to the games industry. No, absolutely not. I think um, a lot of these points could cross over into many different industries, all of them even, perhaps. Um, It really depends on personal experience. This is just um, the experience that we're familiar with being a part of the games industry, and we'd love to share some of what we understand, some of what we've heard. Um, as to as to how mental health functions when you're on the other side of game development. It's only going to become more and more common to see these kind of trends as we get deeper and deeper into this lovely neo-capitalist society we've sculpted for ourselves, that essentially whoever works the hardest is going to succeed the most is the idea. But all that means is we all feel this pressure to be working all the time and performing all the time and be better and better every day. Yeah, where we live in the West, we are in Canada, Um, There's a lot of pressure to be constantly performing because we feel that that is what's going to make us successful, but it's also what's going to give us joy, this idea that you will be fulfilled through the work that you do. Um, You live to work, essentially. Um, It doesn't take much critical thought to realize that that's a fallacious notion. (laughs) You can, of course, enjoy the work that you do. Um, It's great to be able to do that. If not, that's fine too. Again, it really depends on the person. The problems arise when your life becomes only work and it becomes detrimental to your well-being. And that's what we're really going to be talking about today. So why is it in the games industry, why is it so particular to the games industry? Why do we see these sort of mental health problems emerge in this industry in particular. Yeah, so the games industry is, of course, rapidly growing. Um, It's getting bigger all of the time. And I think that's part of the reason we're starting to see this maybe come up a little bit more or starting to see more developers speak out about their experiences is because it's so big. It's it's gotten so big. There's so many people involved. And and that's just, you know, that's what tends to happen is we we hear about things more as as they get bigger. Um, But the industry also tends to be relatively high risk in terms of your career, first of all, but also in terms of the investment side of things. You're you're working on a relatively long project for, for years, basically, and you don't see the end until literally the end. So you could be working on something for like five years and you don't see profit until the end of those five years. So it can be uh, an extremely high risk, high stress situation, especially if there's, for example, a publisher involved and there's a certain score, a Metacritic score that you need to hit um, in order to be to be like paid a bonus or to be considered a success. Um, whatever whatever that deal might be. And so those high stress situations are quite common, whether it's you know wanting to get that score or just wanting to release the game on time. And these are all things that can uh, compile on one another to create kind of a bad spot for for mental health. <laughs> yeah, like if you consider a more extreme case where, for instance, no one ever wants to do crunch. And a lot of people say like, well, my studio is never going to do crunch. We're mm-hmm. just not going to do that. But let's say your, let's say your publisher has, says, 
we're going to give you 24 months to ship a game. And all of a sudden you're 21 months in and you're not close enough to finishing. And if you don't finish this game in three months, you just, you're just going to have a two year gap on your resume. This game isn't coming out and you've just wasted two years of your life in some ways. That's, that's really tough. That's where the stakes feel very high. And all of a sudden it's not so much a publisher holding a deadline over you so much as your career is on the line. Yeah. The industry is also very young. Um, relatively speaking to many of the other industries. And because of that, it is riddled with problems culturally that we're still trying to solve. The industry is known to be a toxic place for minorities and women. And this is obviously going to have an impact on on the human beings who are who are making these games. So this is all important to consider um, when you're when you're here, when you're doing this. And another thing it puts at risk is your hobbies, insofar as a lot of people who are in the industry, I would estimate upwards of 99% are also gamers. So if all of a sudden working in games has hurt your love for playing games, all of a sudden you've lost your hobby as well, maybe something that was helping you to cope with a difficult job. It's true, yeah, lots of people turn to video games um, for, for comfort, and if it's something that starts to stress you out, um, yeah, that's gonna be that's going to be a bad time. And I do want to put an asterisk. You do not need to be a gamer to make games. That is not part of the deal. Uh, you just need to be invested in, in making something great. And there's there's no reason that you have to play video games in your, in your hobby time at all. Um, we're just saying some people do, and that can be a tough spot if, if you're in a high stress situation and, and you get kind of turned off your hobby for a while. That can always be a difficult time. At least in my experience, I have noticed a lot of people who go into game development typically tell me they don't play games as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And and for some people, that may not be a big deal because it wasn't a huge part of their life anyway. But for some people, that might be kind of sad. It might, it might be a type of loss um, to, to lose something that you really once loved to do. Exactly. So despite all this, it's important not to be dismissive of your mental health because it's very important. And even though there are lots of things in the industry with any job that can be stressful, um, it's important to, to recognize when you yourself are, are slipping a little bit and need some help. And you, you think it's like, oh, obviously you should care about your own mental health. When was the last time you heard someone brag about how little sleep they get? Yeah, that can be a common thing is, especially in the gaming industry, um, with, with crunch, for example, or with long working hours is that a lot of people in the office will maybe stay a little bit longer. They'll stay over time working on something. And even though you finished your work for the day, that could kind of prompt you to feel like maybe you're not doing enough in comparison or, or that you need to be picking up some extra work as well and stay longer at the office. All of this again can compound on one another and it can just, it can just not be a good time. Also comparison is the death of joy. So don't do that. Even though I know obviously we're going to do that. Just because the CEO of some tech giant sleeps four hours a day, works 16 <laughs> hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year does not mean that's what it takes to be successful in life. <laughs> yeah. So poor mental health can cause anxiety, depression, apathy, and anger. It can trigger memory problems, difficulty concentrating. There can also be physical issues with digestion, uh, skin conditions. Your skin can break out. I know I've experienced that. Insomnia. Uh, and there can also be some behavioral issues happening like over or under eating, social withdrawal, and even substance abuse. I thought it came completely out of the blue when my therapist asked me if I was having digestive issues. And I'm like, how are any of these things correlated? But mm -hmm. it, there is a big correlation between things like having issues in your digestive tract and feeling depressed. And 
you just don't think about how being in a bad mental place can affect your body. Yeah, yeah. Of course, always consult your doctor about any of these things if you're experiencing them. But it's good to be aware that these things could be connected and that it's important to take care of your mind just as much as your body. So per a 2019 report on the state of the games industry, this was really interesting because it was um, it was interviews with, with developers, right? And sort of getting some statistics. And it was like an obvious, it was like a stating the obvious, but in a, like a really important way. I think it was maybe yeah. some things that we were maybe suspecting all along. And we'll have this report linked in the show notes. But essentially, these are things that you see in the industry a lot. And it's very well known that developers get crunched into oblivion. But this report confirms as such that for game developers, job stress, job instability, and job, job longevity are significant problems that face developers today. Their careers frequently demand long hours. They don't have job stability. And they don't even have very clear, and they don't have clear career trajectories. And all of these things are very closely linked to stress, anxiety, and depression. Yeah, and I know, you know, like like any industry, game developers, of course, also suffer from imposter syndrome. Like I'm sure, literally all of us do. <laughs> if you don't, that's fantastic. Um, d- tell me your secret. Uh, but like Aiden was saying, um, career longevity there's actually only around a third of developers that remain in the industry for 10 plus years. I think the the typical number that you see thrown around is like roughly five years is like the typical range of what a, what a career in the industry looks like from entry to exit. So that's, that's clearly a problem. <laughs> so this is why everyone in the industry is 25. Yeah, exactly. Um, regarding crunch, the, the stats show that roughly 53% of developers report that crunch is expected of them. And from that, less than 18% report being compensated for their overtime work. So that's just, that's a problem, right? Crunch, crunch is bad. Um, I'm not going to try and pretend. I think oftentimes we'll see, well, people want to crunch or my developers are so passionate that they want to be here. I think it's, easy to conflate passion with suddenly overworking yourself um, to, to a ridiculous amount and to setting a standard as well. Yeah. That's also bad for everyone else in the office. So so while yes, passion is is evident in so many of these studios, so many of us are here because of, we, we want to make good games. That's the goal. Um, but the problem is we we don't owe these games our lives in, in the process. And I think we saw this with Rockstar. This was what last year, 2019, two years ago, ago? in 2018, when Red Dead Redemption 2 was coming out, Rockstar Games casually spoke about how their developers were working 100 hour work weeks to finish this game. And what I find funny about that number is that typically overtime is considered anything north of 40 hours a week. (laughs) Yeah. So what about two and a half times that? Yeah. So people, it was sort of mentioned as a positive like like that's just how passionate our team is our team is so passionate and what was good is that people reacted as with kind of like raised eyebrows like what do you mean people are working 100 that's insane um which was good (laughs) you know it's, it's good to be skeptical of of insane hours like that so i think um when we see those numbers thrown around casually it can lead to a lot of developers you know buying into this narrative themselves thinking oh this is like, this is the grind. Like we are the artists who like don't sleep and we're like fueled by um, like, like alcohol, right? Like this idea of, of staying up to, to work on your magnum opus or, or whatever it is, right? And that's just not the case because you'll, 
you just won't be in a good spot afterwards. Like I saw some satirical responses that were like, Rockstar only works 100 hours a week. Pff, my developers work 200 hours yeah, a week. And yeah, people like, are okay, just well. playing it up, right? Um, and I think sometimes too, developers can, you know, buy into the narrative of, okay, let's let's work until we die or whatever. And then afterwards sort of realize actually that was like really terrible and I regret, I regret doing it. And I think um, unfortunately there is kind of this corporate culture where it's like, we have the luxury to work our staff to death because A, there's no union and B, if they decide to quit, well, there's a hundred other people who want to work here. So yeah. And I think that that's partly a misconception as well. The idea that if you, um, that you're like easily replaceable, I don't think people in the industry are actually as easily replaceable as they perhaps think i think that's some of that imposter syndrome speaking um but it it can be daunting to know that you know so many people love video games in a similar way that you do and it can really feel like if i don't do this then that's kind of the end for me and i think a lot of there are some workplaces that could foster those kinds of ideas um and we're going to get into how not to foster that kind of environment and some things that that you can look for and that studios can strive for to to be better exactly so some of these things um that the report in specific was kind of calling for is a change in industry culture that's more protective of developers work and environment so of course this is like a, a pushback against crunch right but of course that's far more difficult than simply being like, oh, just just consider developers hours more. No, it's not that simple. Um, there are kind of like three things that have to give way for crunch to happen. And that's on one side, it's the team, right? So if, for example, you have one team member that is incredibly passionate and their work was due last week and they're like, no, I got to polish this one thing. And maybe they're they're probably not even crunching yet, right? They're, they're working their normal hours, whatever and their, their deadline passes and they're a week over. Well, they've just set the rest of the team back a week, right? And that's how that can spiral. But it's also on the management side, you need to plan accordingly. Um, you need to have a plan in place with goals and a scope that makes sense. And then you need to commit to that plan and you need to decide what you're gonna, what you're gonna cut, what you're gonna do if, if those standards aren't being met. Because crunch, if crunch isn't an option, there needs to be a different option. And those are just the things that you need to plan for ahead of time. And the report also calls for an increase in diversity in the industry, citing numbers that only 19% of developers in the US were female and only 32% were non-white. And they stipulated that this lack of diversity uh, contributes to negative work experience for developers and also leads to exclusionary content in games and the culture in the gaming community. And this is something we've talked about at length and it just seems to kind of, it's very pervasive around games in general. It's kind of like it's, it's for young white men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of old ideas that exist. And again, that's partly because you know, this industry, like we said before, is still so new. Um, it's kind of like a, <laughs> I have a friend who says like, it's it's like a teenager, basically. That's like the state the industry is in right now. And it needs to grow a lot. But we also just kind of want to mention that when we say stuff like, oh, industry burnout um, is pretty big, you know, people burn out for different reasons. And I think that's really important to remember is that not everybody is going to have the same experience. Not everybody is going to be dealing with the same stresses. Um, and that's like, I don't know, I think that's important to remember when we're considering having empathy 
for, for your fellow developers, like your fellow coworkers. So many people are going to be dealing with so many different things. Um, whether that's like sexism, racism, literally just like not going home ever, right? There, there are multiple things that can be happening. So it's important to be aware of what those could be and, and that could help you better address or, or um, be, be open to being helpful to a coworker or even, even yourself, right? Recognizing those things in yourself. I think it's especially difficult in the era of the pandemic where a lot of developers have to work from home. So they, mm-hmm. they have to set those own boundaries for themselves that it's difficult to work a nine to five when you are at the same place the whole time. Yeah. And it just feels very arbitrary when you stop working. And it's like, well, I could stop working at five, but I could finish this next little bit of the game. And, uh, and just, it, you, you kind of put force its own dynamic on yourself where, again, it's it's kind of you, you're fighting with your own passion for the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So now we want to get into a really good GDC talk and it's called Invent a Game, Reinvent Yourself. It's by Dr. Jennifer Hazel and game developer Joshua Boggs. And they're basically in this talk addressing some of the struggles for for mental health in games and partly as well what we can do to to combat this, to do better for for others in the industry and ourselves as well. So what they proposed, or what Dr. Hazel proposed on handling burnout is what she calls the the AAA model, Mm. which stands for audit, accept, and act. So auditing is taking a very honest look look at yourself without judgment or malice and just trying to very kindly evaluate yourself. That it's like, well, I've only been sleeping four nights a week. My appetite is non-existent and I'm having some problems digesting. It's like, you could have you could just look at those things objectively and try to see okay i probably have some symptoms of burnout or depression happening here and you don't have to be mean to yourself for having these symptoms like mm-hmm. oh i couldn't take the game development <laughs> it's like this is just what's happening and you have to be nice to yourself and recognize how to, that you need to respond and that leads to step 2 of accepting it and acknowledging that there is a problem if there is one and being able to accept help from others yeah yeah i think it's important to recognize when you're when you're being kind to yourself that it doesn't take a quote-unquote special kind of person to be in the games industry. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It takes a person that is like, I don't know, who who wants to make games. That's what it takes. And someone who obviously puts the work in to be able to get to the point where they're able to, to hone their skills and be able to do that job. But it doesn't take somebody who's like, like battle hardened and like doesn't respond to stress at all and, and, and is willing to work insane hours. That's not what it's about. That's the industry's problem. The industry is the one that needs to change. Um, And I think that that's important to remember. And there are so many studios that are working to have that change happen and who will respect that their employees don't need to be zombies (laughs) (laughs) all day, every day. And Dr. Hazel works for a charity called Checkpoint, which deals a lot with... um, mental health and games and all the various ways they intersect and on their website they have lists of studios that have a lot of uh, pro developer practices and try to promote people who are doing things well like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the final a is act where if you can seek out the things that are within your bounds to help treat your mental health uh, you can get look for medication you can look for therapy and you can even look for a break for work like i know something that i try to do every week is take every monday off if i can and that was something that was helpful for me because I noticed that I just kind of work seven days a week if left unchecked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's because we work from home. So we're able to like obviously make our own schedule, but it is important that you take time for yourself where you can, um, if you can. So make sure you're checking in with yourself or even ask your friends. Maybe your, your friends might notice. Sometimes our friends are really good at noticing <laughs> yeah. changes in our behavior better than we are. 
And Dr. Hazel also had some advice on preventing stress and burnout in mm -hmm. your employees if you're in a managerial position at a studio. So as someone who is in a manager position at a studio, could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so I'm a co-founder of Caldera Interactive and we try really hard to, to check in with each other to if there's like a, a national holiday, like we, we take it, obviously we're working from home. So we, we really try to give breaks when needed and when necessary. And if, if two of us are like this happened the other day, we were working uh, in the evening because we hadn't had time to sync up during the day and we were trying to get a hold of another team member, but we also recognized no big deal if they don't respond, like we'll figure it out. Um, because there's no, there's no precedent to be available at 8 PM at night. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and so we, we just try to be really kind to one another and let everybody know that there's, there's no reason they need to make themselves available in hours where they, where they just can't. We, we will, uh, do our best to spread out the work. There's only six of us. <laughs> so to, to spread out the work, to make sure that everybody is okay. If somebody gets sick, that's literally not a problem our health is placed above the game. And that can be a difficult thing sometimes because sometimes it means missing deadlines that, that you had originally set. But the part about missing deadlines is that there's gonna be another one, whether that's a year from now or, or a different one that you come up with, um, that's part of it and, and that's okay. What's not okay is, is people not being okay. And, and we really try to, to just be kind. I think kindness and empathy is like the, the center of what the studio tries to do. And I think that's a lot of what Hazel was talking about in this, in this talk is, you know, having a curfew, these ideas of, of specific working hours where everyone kind of abides by, um, managing your resources. So this is all about scoping your project to ensure that the work you're setting out for yourself is possible to get done, right? So that can even be deadlines, making sure, oh, we're not gonna meet this deadline. That's cool, we'll just, ex we'll pick a different one instead, right? And then checking in, that's the big one that, that Caldera is really big on as well, asking everybody if they're okay and doing so twice. I really like how, how uh, Dr. Hazel put that in the talk. Do so twice, are yeah. you okay? Are you really? <laughs> yeah, because if, if someone just asked you if you're okay just on the street, you'd probably be like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> if that's just your default answer, it's almost instinctive at this point. Mm -hmm. say, but are, are you really okay? Like I'm yeah. actually asking. I remember uh, one of my favorite bosses I ever had was just, I was working as a, a waiter in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And my boss would sometimes just pull me aside and I thought I was in trouble or something. He would just go, how are you? And yeah. I'm like, it was just the nicest thing. And yeah. so it really helped me out. It can make a difference for sure. That's awesome. And final two things that Dr. Hazel recommended was having an open door policy if you're in a managerial position that if someone needs to talk to you that you will make time for them. Even mm -hmm. if you can't do it right away, you'll make time for them, period. Mm -hmm. And then you can have a, you can have a deliberate mental health policy that you educate your staff on mental health issues and you have a policy they know about. Yeah, they have it and there's a policy for them to use if they do need help with their mental health that they are all in the know about. Yeah, and making it clear that especially in these pandemic times, right? That if your employees need to take a day, a mental health day, that that is perfectly fine. Nobody's gonna look down on you for, for missing a day of work or, or whatever it might be. Just making it really clear that as a company, 
as as the the place of work where you exist that it's it's open to making sure that people are okay and i think that will help people to feel better about about taking care of themselves yeah so and yeah just take care of yourself in general it's it's tough times right now and it's not easy being in the industry in general and it's not easy being in a pandemic either yeah so yeah be kind to yourself be kind to others Thank you for listening to this episode of Panic Mode. You can reach us on social media at panicmode.net, all spelled out, or on our website, panicmode.net. We would love to hear any comments, questions, or feedback you have about today's episode, and we'll be back next time where we'll talk speed running in game design. We'll see you then.